everyone. <laughs> Welcome to A Girl, A Guy, and a Buffy podcast. Um, this is our very first episode, and we're so excited that you're here. My name is Kate Balzer, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm Charles Swint, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, yeah, he, him. His. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. We are, as we said, a Buffy podcast, and really the focus of this podcast is to delve into and dissect all the wonderful um, meaty qualities about the show. There's so much to discuss about the show. So this will be a podcast that takes on the entire Buffy the Vampire series and only the television series as of now. We're not looking um, to the comics or to any of the additional um, materials that have been written about it. And so that's your spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the entire series and you listen, you might get spoiled about um, episodes you haven't gotten to yet. But we're really looking at this as a a holistic um, discussion of the entire series. And you want to kind of talk about how we're setting our series up um, for discussion, Charles? Yeah, sure. So like Kate said, we're not doing we're not doing sort of this episodic episode by episode situation. We are going to be talking about the show as a whole. Um, so again, spoiler alert, we will be spoiling the show left, right, and center. So if you have not watched it, we suggest that you stop this podcast, go back and watch all seven seasons, and then come back to us. We'll be here for you, I promise. We're not going anywhere. Um, but what we are going to be doing is we're going to be talking about uh, sort of the themes about Buffy and, and all of these things, and also sort of how our how our world has been reflected, how we can reflect our world in Buffy. This episode is kind of a discuss the show overall, um, contextualize it, uh, talk about how we came to the show while we're fans of the show. Um, so do you remember, Kate, like when you first, like, do you remember sort of your, some of your first experiences watching Buffy? Like what, what you felt like, what was that like for you? Do you remember? Yeah. So I kind of had a crazy introduction. Um, well, one of the funny things is I, wasn't watching much TV at this time because it was my first couple of years of college and, you know, like everything was taken up by activities and classwork. And one of the shows that like I enjoyed and was kind of like my go-to guilty pleasure was there was a show on the WB called Savannah. And it was just like a, it was an Aaron Spelling soapy show. And I love the fact that it was like filmed in Savannah, Georgia, because I was living in Georgia at the time. And so it was kind of cool. It was This was before like Atlanta really became the Hollywood of the South it is now. So these were, you know, infrequent um, happening shows based in, in Georgia. And um, then the show was like, it ended for the season. And then like back then it was the early days of the internet. So you didn't have like a ton of knowledge about like what was coming next or, you know, is your show coming back? And like nothing. Turns out I I learned years later that the show was canceled and the show that replaced it was Buffy. So at first I was like super mad that my show Savannah didn't come back. Ironically, I found like my favorite show ever had been, you know, supplanted it. So, um, so how I actually came to watch Buffy was a friend of mine um, when we were in college, I was telling her I was going to watch this new show Dawson's Creek. And she was like, oh, I have my sorority meeting that night. Can you record it? And by the way, I watched the show beforehand called Buffy. Can you record that? Because I'm going to miss it too. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So since we were going to watch Dawson together, I was like, well, we might, I might as well watch Buffy with her. And I kind of had vaguely heard of it. I knew of the movie, but I hadn't seen the movie. So I was like, you know, what the heck? And 
the first two episodes that we watched were Innocence and Surprise. So I was like thrown into like hardcore Buffy sleeps with her boyfriend and he turns evil. And I was like hooked and I didn't stop watching that show. And then I eventually dropped Dawson's Creek and, (laughs) um, and was like a Buffy fanatic from, from there on out. Oh my goodness. That's so funny because I, so I came to it via Sarah Michelle Gellar because I was such a huge fan of hers. Like even before Buffy, I was watching her on Swan's Crossing and all my children. And I was like obsessed with Sarah Michelle Gellar, like obsessed. And I heard that she was doing the show. I saw like a commercial and I was like, oh my gosh, she's in a new show. And I was so excited that she was doing this. And I was like, what? Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And I remember, because I had seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like the movie. I actually like the movie. I think it's, like, it's camp. It's a little kitsch or whatever. Um, but there's some cool moments in it. And I, re- I remember the show, but I was like, well, like, the movie's okay. It's not, like, great, but it was okay. And I was like, but it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I am a ride or die for SMG. Like, I will, like, anything she does, I am on board. So I just, I sat down and I remember recording it every week because I wasn't always able to watch it because I was, like, in rehearsals for stuff or doing stuff. And then I would just sit. And then when I was home at my parents' house, I'd, like, sit on my, like, on the floor in my bedroom just, like, watching <laughs> watching it over winter break and just just loving that show so much and just think it was like you know for me she can do no wrong and so I just I freaking love that show it's so amazing yeah I you know I think one of the things that like pulled me into it too was because I didn't know Sarah like I hadn't watched all my children and I hadn't seen some of her earlier stuff uh Buffy was my first introduction to Sarah Michelle Gellar but I knew, didn't know his name, but I knew who um, Anthony Stewart Head was because he was the hot neighbor in the Taster's Choice commercial. <laughs> that is a and I'm throwback. Like, I know, right? And he was. You were like, oh my God, this really good looking, like dreamy kind of like intelligent British guy. And I was like, ooh, he's in this show too. So that was actually like my first kind of hook onto it in addition to just being like, oh, sure, I'll just watch this like random show with my friend because she watches it. But yeah, so... That's hilarious. I, I forgot about I forgot about him being <laughs> the in the Taste of Choice. <laughs> how I came to it, that's how you came to it. And we've been hooked ever since. You know, is there... Can you talk about a little bit about the impact, if any, the show has had on your life? Yeah, well, I mean, so much. I mean, first first and foremost, I think sort of the friendships that I've made based on the show. Um, just so many people who who I've bonded with over watching the show who love it just as much as, as I do and as we do. And I think that's um, the community that it has built um, and the fan base. It's one of the first show, shows to really, like, like that i mean other i would say star trek is you know probably one of them but like this idea like fandom and this idea of like really having this fan base that builds a community that forms a community um and because it was such you know it was in those early days of the internet um where there were message boards and and things like that uh and it was at a time where you could really engage with each other in that way and then also surprisingly the writers were like like low-key just like hiding out in those mess like in those chat rooms and talking to fans and like listening to what the fans had to say so they were able to sort of respond to what 
you know, they were able to get a beat on what was really exciting about that. And so in that way, it felt like the show was ours. Like, as a fan base, like, we really got to have some, it felt like we had sort of some sort of ownership or some sort of, like, connection to the show that went beyond just showing up every week. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, that's a great point. And um, for myself, I would definitely say community, too. Um, like I said, I mean, that was sort of the, the the person who got me hooked on the show. You know, we were kind of friends, but I think that really, like, bonded us together because we made it a weekly thing. It was like she was done with her, you know, weekly sorority meeting, so she'd come over and we'd watch or we'd watch it the next night. Um, and that really, you know, brought us together and, and we developed, a, like, a real not I not that we weren't real friends, but it our friendship ended up going beyond Buffy, but mm-hmm. we were brought together through that show. And then um I also for myself, when I moved to a new city, that was about the time I was really getting more into like the internet part of the Buffy fandom. And I kept seeing like all these people meeting up. They'd go, they'd like figure out, you know, a bunch of them lived in the city and they're like, Hey, let's meet up. And they would either like just meet up for fun stuff or they'd meet up to watch episodes together. And I was like, I want to do that. And that's when I discovered the, literally the, the website meetup. Mm, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was like, do where I'm living, do they have a group? And there was one. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a chance because you never know what these things could be like. Um, you could completely meet the wrong, you know, the set of people that just you don't connect with, or you could find like your best friend ever. And I went to one of one of their meetups and it was it was actually just at a pizza place. It was just kind of getting together and hanging out um as a social activity and befriended a couple people and we really clicked. And a group of us, we, you know, we hung out with them again a few times, but there was a group of us that really connected as friends around Buffy and then beyond Buffy. And that really became like my friend group in this new city. Um, And so it, you know, and I'm still friends with some of those people today, even if, even though we live in different places, um, that's where social media definitely helps to stay connected. But you know, I wouldn't have met those people otherwise. And they're some of the best people that I know uh, if it hadn't been for the show and hadn't been for me taking a chance to say like, I want to be with other Buffy fans. And it turns out we had so much more in common and so many more connections than just the show. And that's why like Mm -hmm. true friendships were able to develop. Yeah. I think Buffy, like, I feel like Buffy fans are really kind of, excuse me, are really just awesome people. I think that, you know, the community that it builds, I think it takes, there's sort of, to really sort of embrace the show and really understand the show, there has to be sort of this emotional intelligence and this sort of, this sensitivity and understanding and, and empathy and se- that exists in a human being in order to really understand the journey that Buffy goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who really get it, really get it. And it's just, it's just great. I mean, it it really is. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I have people who I've who I introduced. I was like, we are sitting down and we are watching this, and they were like, what? And I was like, y'all don't even know. You don't even know. And they were like, what is this thing? And I was like, yep. See, trust me, I got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also love when you discover somebody you didn't know is a fan somehow like it'll come up in conversation and they're like oh my god I love that show and I'm like you do too that's probably also one of my favorite things about the show is it's such a 
diverse audience um, of people in, in every way that you think of diversity. Um, you know, even though it's a, it's a teenage show, you'll certainly have, even back then when it was on, you know, you certainly had people who were way outside their teenage years or their college years, like we were, who were fans of the show and could connect with it. And I think that's why you still have people, you know, coming back to it again and again, or discovering it, you know, years after, even if they may be long past their teenage years, just because there's, there's such a richness and depth of story and characters that the fact that they start off in high school is only a fraction of, of the show. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and really high school is one of the few things that is sort of the great equalizer for people. Like I think most, not, I don't, I won't say everyone because I don't want to generalize, but I think, you know, most people have had a high school experience. And so they know what it's like to kind of go through all of that. So being able to even look back on it, you know, when you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, or, you know, your 50s, you still remember those high school years since they were so formative whether you completed high school or not like whether you finished or not exactly exactly which is why you know the show could literally have the world ending because teenagers understood what that's what that's like because that's what life felt like feels like to them often not everyone again not to generalize but often okay so kate let me ask let me ask you in high school in high school did you have did you have an end of the world moment do you remember like what like having that moment of breakdown and be like i hate everything and this is awful and the world is ending so the only time I really had that, so we moved um, from the Northeast to Georgia, the middle of my freshman year of high school. So I had just started at my Northeastern high school, which I loved. I had those friends for like four and a half years. I'd been with them like through late elementary school, middle school, and now high school. And here we go moving to Georgia, which was like, I had two images of Georgia and I will say these are stereotype images. I know the state much better now. It was either I had thought of Gone with the Wind or I thought of Rednecks. So I had absolutely no (laughs) idea what to expect. Um, And I'd grown up in the Northeast my entire life up until that point. And so we moved down and a friend of mine wanted me to come back to visit um, for their winter break. At the time, Georgia didn't do winter break. And so this was like February. So we had only been living in Georgia for like two and a half months at that point, or even not even because that would have been like, it would have been two and a half months if I went up to visit. And my parents said no, because they, their reasoning, which I don't know if they told me at the time, they told me, they certainly told me years later was that they felt like if I went back, I wouldn't start to acclimate and adjust to being in the new location, which, you know, makes sense to me as an adult. But when I'm 15 and I feel like my whole life has been taken away from me, that is the one time I threw a tantrum and I was like, I hate you. You ruined my life. I like stormed (laughs) up the stairs, went to my bedroom. I've like never done any. I was not that kind of kid or teenager. Oh my God. I was so unhappy. So unhappy. Of course, it all actually ended up working out because I like, you know, once I adjusted, I was very happy at the new location and then made great friends who I'm still friends with today. So I can't, I can't complain anymore. But oh, man, those first few months were definitely rough. So that was definitely my end of the world moment. 
So it's so funny that we have very similar stories. We have very similar end of the world stories <laughs> because mine mine came when I I was in Maryland at the time and I was like 15. I had just come out to my parents and my friends and like literally like two months later two or three months later my parents were like we're moving to Georgia and I was like and I had sort of the same idea like the things that I knew about Georgia I mean we had lived in in Atlanta before but when I was very very young but and having lived like up north and and you know my perception of Atlanta, of Georgia had sort of changed. I mean, the last th- movie I saw was Deliverance. And yeah. so I was very, <laughs> so I was very, very concerned um, about <laughs> what it meant to be queer and in Georgia. Um, it's very confusing. Uh, but I just remember hearing banjo music freaked you out. Yeah, it really did. I was like, am I really gay? I don't know if this is what gay means. I'm not really sure. I was. Yeah, it really kind of freaked me out for a moment. So when they told us that we were moving to Georgia, I I mean, quintessential line, I literally yelled at them. I was like, you're ruining my life. And I, and I didn't talk to them for like months. I mean, I like the whole time, like from that whole transition, I was very cold um, to my parents and was just like, I'm keeping to myself. I don't want to do this. Um, I don't want to accept this destiny. Um, that yeah. has been, you know, put before me, you know, into every generation, a queer child must move to the, move to the rural South <laughs> and, you know, live his life um, as a queer <laughs> youth in Georgia. Um, but again, I think it, it worked out because I did. I met some amazing people and I've found a family here and I found friends and found a safe space and found my calling and all of those things. And so, uh, it it really was, you know, it really did all work out for the best. So, again, I go back to, you know, us being sort of the original Scoobies. I think we sort of, yeah. you know, had a destiny thrust upon us that we didn't want right. um, and embraced it anyway and came out stronger for it, just for like sure. Buffy, So, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and so let's let's talk about how... Buffy transformed television. Let's talk about that for a moment because yeah. it, I mean I think it it did it was revolutionary revolutionary for its time and it did and continues to change television and influence how television is made. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean for for me one of the things that I re- recognize too that like we're talking about you know it came out in the 90s so we're talking about it's the era of scream we're talking about spice girls ya was really kind of coming into um into play here and there was so much like teen focused property happening and so i think people started to realize that teens have buying power you know yeah for sure you know they were going to the mall they were shopping they were spending all this money they had disposable income yeah i mean it definitely started in the 80s but i think it it grew hugely um you know in the 90s when we were coming into middle and high school it definitely became a bigger a bigger deal and hollywood and marketing really began to recognize that and so you get these these stations like the WB um, that 
grew out of that this fledgling network that came out of nowhere you know because this was back in the days before there was streaming and before yes. you know there was like literally five channels <laughs> yeah exactly i mean we definitely were you know cable was a much bigger deal sure um but yeah there were only at the time four major networks and then you added the wb and then of course there was pbs and then cable but not everyone had cable like it was still the days where you would only have network television stations right um and there certainly wasn't the focus on youth and youth culture in its own you know on its own channel Mm -hmm. which which not really how the wb started but that's where it shifted to within a couple of years and that's where you started with having you know shows like buffy and then they eventually added dawson's creek and charm and so it really became not only youth focused but very young female focused right which had never been done before right and there was a lot of focus on you know um these shows about teens dealing with their emotions mm-hmm. um and in small towns too a lot of that stuff wasn't yeah. like in big cities it wasn't like new york and i mean it wasn't beverly hills 90210 it right. wasn't that it was really sort of the antithesis of of that yeah but yeah agreed it wasn't it wasn't a big city story most of the time there wasn't anything that sort of existed like that. And so when Buffy came along, you know, it you, it influenced how those stories were told. It influenced showrunners, yeah. um, you know. Well, and I would s- safely argue that it was probably one of the first shows to truly break genre barriers. There mm-hmm. had been some earlier shows, you know, ones that were certainly popular that went into a you know, a couple of genres. The two popping out the most would be the X-Files and um, Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. But really, when you look at Buffy, I mean, it's teen. It's got elements of soap opera. It's horror. um, It's a drama. It's a comedy. You know, they were doing that before we came up with the word dramedy, you know? Right. So it definitely was groundbreaking in that way, not just centered on a female action hero, um, or a teenage female action hero and some of the storytelling they did, but just the fact that the way they did the, the storytelling was incredibly groundbreaking as well mm-hmm. in ways that you probably saw much more. Well, obviously Joss Whedon is very influenced by comic books. So you saw that a lot more in comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can see that influence in the show, but that hadn't been done in, in television before. But you may have seen more, like we said, in comic books or even books themselves, but not really anything that had been done in the visual medium of um, television or or even movies. I think movies were pretty like you're in this category, you're in that category. Mm -hmm. Um, And nowadays we expect much more multi-layered, multi-genre properties. And I think I will say that I think one of the few shows that did sort of do some of that, but again, it didn't have the sort of it didn't have all the elements mm-hmm. um, was Degrassi, um, gotcha. which okay, was that- sort of the serialized like teen drama that dealt with a lot of like heavy issues, but it was so based in reality, right? You know, and so Buffy sort of taking that and like subverting it and making this supernatural thing and taking all of the like final girl situation and making her the heroine and doing all of that stuff and taking all of the tropes of high school and, and flipping it on its head. Um, you know, and just how it was told with, you know, these sort of 
you know, with these big bads that we kept coming back to. It wasn't just like, you know, episodic and we defeat the thing this week and then we're coming back and we had to keep coming back to it. Um, you know, and I know that it, you know, Shonda Rhimes talks about how much it influenced her writing and things like that. The Vampire Diaries and Supernatural, all of those shows that came out that people were like, each one of those showrunners has said how much Buffy influenced what they did and um and how they how they created television and then you think about also all the writers on the show particularly in later seasons who Mm -hmm. themselves have now gone on to write for other shows create other shows create movies um you know and really well-known popular ones Mm -hmm. um as well you know it's like Jane Espenson, you're talking, you know. Yeah, Marty Noxon, um, Drew Goddard, Drew Goddard yeah. yeah, um, Stephen Denight, you know, just all of the like amazing shows that they have produced and been a part of and writers on, um, that they contributed to Buffy and they helped make Buffy sort of this wonderful show that we all love and they have right. gone on to to share that so i mean they i mean this sort of generation again into every generation amazing writers were born and they (laughs) gave us great television that we love to binge and that we love to you know that we just are obsessed with and we're just sort of you know we're here for it i absolutely um you know and then i think one of the other big defining elements to buffy that they really kind of broke the mold on was typically in shows particularly in the 80s and early 90s when you dealt with serious issues I mean this was a lot more on probably comedies but there would always be that very special episode and it was you know we're tackling a serious issue like eating disorders or um, intimate partner violence or drug use and it was you know sort of a one-off episode and it was like done during sweeps week to get ratings and Buffy really broke that. There was no very special episode. They were dealing with those issues all along and in right. more in-depth ways as well. It wasn't a, most of the time it was not a one-off thing, particularly obviously obviously as it related to the core characters. Right. Yeah. I mean, and when you think about all of the things that they did talk about, like this just occurred to me. Like Buffy was one of the first shows to even sort of when you're looking at sort of modern day or whatever, talking about teens and working with computers to talk about catfishing. True. Like, oh my gosh. With, well, and as we know, the term Googling came from Buffy. Right. Like I'm going to Google this. That came in, I think it was season seven of six or seven of Buffy. And like, nobody said that before then really, or if they did, it wasn't a part of pop culture. Right. It did. It wasn't in the lexicon, but right. like when, you know, when, when Malcolm comes on, yep, like, yep. and what is that season one where they're talking or season, yeah, season one, season one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, and she's and Willow's getting catfished by this thing, like that sort of thing is being like thinking about like that as a story, as a storyline. Yeah. Like, it's so crazy to think of all of the sort of things that we that we're so invested in now that are so commonplace now that, right. Buffy was kind of one of the first to to talk about these issues and was sort of an issue, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as you said, that was also the the early days of the internet becoming mainstream. Obviously, that it had been around for a while, but 
most people were just kind of coming into it in the late 90s, early 2000s. And we certainly didn't have smartphones back then. And so those concerns that were coming out about the internet, you know, could manifest in storylines like the iRobot Eugene with, with the demon in the computer, basically, as you said, catfishing Willow. Um, so yeah, those were kind of, you know, of the moment stories that they were able to focus on and that were also relevant to two teenagers at that time. Right. And, you know, there's, there's not even a use. I mean, I think even like the usage of cell phones like that, I like there's, you know, I think there's a cell phone appears in like episode one with Cordelia, where she says, like, one of my favorite lines, where she's like, I have to call everyone I have ever met right now. <laughs> and then, but then I don't think we see, really see a cell phone again until, like, season seven when Dawn gets one for school. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's true. And, you know? and part of that was on purpose. I mean, cell phones were starting to become more sure. common, not super common, but I do remember reading it in an interview where, like, I think it was Joss Whedon who said that was done on purpose because otherwise it made certain things too easy to do because mm-hmm. then you could just whip out your cell phone and right. it, so they did that on purpose and nowadays that would look silly like you can't have that as an artificial barrier be like other than like a parent being like I don't want my teen to have a you know a smartphone in a storyline you could see that and then in those early days Buffy had a beeper because obviously she's like if the right. apocalypse Professor. comes beat me <laughs> Um, but I think that's pretty much the only time the beeper ever was pulled out. It was right. that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I'm not having it. I said the, so but we also, can get that great line. <laughs> yeah. And the, but and speaking of that, like I think that was the other thing that made it such an influential thing was the language and the lines and the yes. writing of it was so it was so clever. And there's and there was a, a they created this whole new language where teens sounded like teens and it wasn't like it didn't sound like old people writing for teenagers it sounded like oh this is how actual people would speak because they created their own language they created this you know uh, this vernacular that just fit in that sounds weird that fit into the mouths of these actors but it and and it just sort of flowed and i think i mean i still i love quoting buffy because i i mean i think there's so many great quotable moments from that show well i know i still find myself even after all these years using some of the language that they came up with in my everyday vocabulary it's not even about like quoting great, great lines but you know thing like Wiggins or of the good or of the bad, you know, just the turn of phrases that are what the show is known for. And I agree that because they created their own language, it felt very authentic, very um, teen-like. The irony is it's a 20-something, you know, late 20-something-year-old man, white man who ended up creating that language. So, that, you know, the, it is kind of funny that it was was created by an adult, but it feels so authentic to the teen vernacular mm-hmm. um you know and cordelia just has some great lines too that just sort of yeah. sort of embody the spirit of of that show and of the language and so they're they're real i mean it really does and there's so many and even beyond when we're talking about sort of the impact that buffy had when you look at even modern television and things that are happening how often buffy gets mentioned 
and television shows um, and sort of references to Buffy kind of get slid into shows as these little Easter eggs and things like that. That's so amazing that it continue to reverberate as people find it and find a love for it. Yeah. Well, and I love too, it pops up in things that like in places you don't expect. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Big Bang Theory is one that, like, it's such a geeky thing, but they talk about Buffy all the time. They make references. One of my favorites is the, um, is in The Magicians. Uh Um, There's this great scene. um, This is sort of maybe a spoiler alert if you have not watched The Magicians or if you're watching The Magicians. um, Maybe pause and skip ahead. There's this great scene uh, between two of the characters, um, Margot and Elliot, are talking, and they are... Um, they're being spied on. Um, the eye, one of her eyes is cursed, and so she like she, they can't have a conversation without um, the fairy queen hearing everything. And so she, they're trying to have a conversation, so they have to speak in code. And the code that they choose to use is describing scenes from like popular like TV shows and things like that, so uh-huh. that they have a so they have a context. And one of the things that that Elliot said, he's like best episode of he says he makes a comment and he's like best episode of Buffy ever and she goes once more and like the translation is like once more with feeling he was like no the other one he was like we have to he says we have to we have to best episode of Buffy ever and she goes she goes once more with feeling he goes no the other one and like the translation is hush um and so uh, telling yeah. her that we have to be quiet um and yeah. that's what he chooses to use so i think it's it's clever how it gets thrown out and used um i love yeah, that clip for it was, sure so yeah and yeah i mean it really was it, it was so defining in the moment and continues to be nowadays even as we're 25 years on and we're reassessing you know, properties from the past 25, 30, 35, 40 years, um, you know, with, with different perspectives today, I still think there's so much of value in that show, even as there's valid space for criticism of it as well. You know, I think that there's a lot of criticism that can be had towards the characters in Buffy. The one thing I will say, and then I, that I credit to the writers of the show is that those, the, I think when people criticize that, criticize people about when we're looking at it through sort of a today's lens about well this character didn't do this or this character didn't do that a the show was written in a in a specific time and place and also i think a lot of those characters were written that way on purpose they were written because they needed to be this way in order to to tell the story so it wasn't about it wasn't about necessarily being un always sometimes maybe it wasn't always being about unconscious about certain things and certain stories i think there are some moments that definitely were um but i think like some characters were written because they needed to be written that way so that we could explain and show like this is why we don't treat women this way and this is why buffy stands out because you know she's surrounded by all these jerky guys and like guys who want to do you know all of this stuff um so i think that there's a little bit of that um that that goes along with it so i i mean i want to stand up for it but i also realize that there are some some issues with the show for sure yeah and i would say you know i think it's just 
more people are stating it and looking at it from today as the show has grown in popularity and it's available to stream and more people are discovering it. Mm -hmm. But I will say having been, you know, parts of, of discussions either with, with people in real life or on the internet, a lot of these criticisms were coming up then. Um, And also not just in those places, but, you know, I don't know if it's still true today, but certainly back when the show was on and not long after it had ended, I believe it was the most, academically studied television show um and so you know there were academics that were doing analysis and bringing up some of these same criticisms as well so that that's always been there for sure i think we're just seeing it at a, at a larger pop cultural level yeah well and obviously i mean i think the 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 biggest valid criticism you can lob at the show with it was of its time it was not the only one mm-hmm. is a lack of diversity in the characters, but mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Sure. Uh, certainly speaking to the showrunner and the writers, I'm going to assume like most shows, you could probably speak to the rest of the behind the scenes roles as well is probably not a large diversity, which we'll delve into what that all means. Um, you know, I think at a later date, but but recognizing it as we sort of do a a time and a place discussion of the show right now. Yeah, and just sort of giving context of how yeah. how the show impacted, you know, the impact that it had in the moment and, yeah. and its impact now. So that's just what we're talking about and sort of fanning out a little bit about all of those things. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, and, I, and again, I think the fans are so, they just connect with the material in such a powerful way. And I think they see themselves in it and i've heard people say how it saved their lives how it changed their lives um and i don't know you know and maybe because i'm a part of the fandom you know i don't hear a lot of other people saying that about a lot of other shows i'm sure there are other shows out there that do that have had that same sort of impact um but i feel like this one just has such a strong resonance with um with people and its fans yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely one of the things you'll you'll hear the most about it from from fans of the show for sure. Excellent. So, um, as part of contextualizing the show, you know, looking at it with today's eyes, obviously the revelations and alleg- allegations that have come out about the show's creator, like so many shows, um, you know, play into that and are part of reviewing the show and reading it in a new way. And that's just something we also have to consider. Um, when discussing the show and when going back and, you know, taking a look at it and rewatching it. And, you know, for some people, it may impact how they view it. For some people, it won't. Uh, you know, for some people, they might never be able to watch it again because they can't separate, um, you know, the the information and the stories and the allegations that have come out against Joss Whedon as the creator. And, you know, to say all of that, all of those takes on it and all of those reactions to it are obviously completely valid. Um, You know, it's a complicated question when you have an artist who is a complicated person and, you know, information comes out about them that changes your perspective on them, particularly in the negative, for negative behavior. And I don't think there's an, there's no easy answer. I don't even think, I know there's no easier. It's a complicated question. Um, and I'm sure at some point that will come up in our discussions, particularly this season, focusing on feminism and gender. 
But, um, you know, we just, we wanted to say that we're, we're not ignoring that. We recognize that's part of Buffy's story now as well. Yes. And, and as part of that and, and wanting to acknowledge that and to be supportive of, you know, everything, everyone who has come out and, and spoken out, we also want to take a moment to sort of uplift all of the, uh, all of the people who were a part of the show, because the show like we've been talking about, the show kind of goes beyond its creator. It it is about it's about all of the producers and all of the writers, the actresses. Buffy is Sarah Michelle Geller. And I and Buffy and Sarah Michelle has said herself that she is grateful for the role of Buffy. She loves she loved playing Buffy and that she will for like she loves that she will always be connected to Buffy. That being said, there is so much there's so much more that we can uplift and and celebrate about um about the show and ab- especially about the women who worked on that show um and their impact um that they had despite the awful conditions that they had to work under and the things that they had to endure um and I think that just goes to the testament of um of the power of that women have and and the resilience that women have yes absolutely so thank you all so much for joining us um this week yes thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the discussion we definitely want to hear your thoughts if you want to send us an email with your thoughts questions concern you can email us at a buffy podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram at a buffy podcast and if you like what you hear please like and subscribe and download our podcast we would thoroughly love it and make sure to leave us a review um and you know send us some stars and some love yeah let us know what you think all right thanks bye bye